the more specialized I am, the more I can communicate to my clients in a way that they're going to hear it and they're going to be able to act on it. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. All right, Luke. So we were just talking a little bit before this uh, podcast with this guest about this whole work from home experience and yeah, the work from home experience is something a little bit more after you know, like will we return to normal? I was sharing right before the podcast is that you know our company has really been it's, I wouldn't say anti work from home, but we haven't been pro work from home, right? So we haven't been a com- like we have I think certain departments that can work from home a couple days a month, I believe is what well, we. It's, it's very culture driven, like the oh culture- yeah drives that idea of being together, quick communication, move fast. In accountability, it's like, how do you make sure people are actually working? All these things that every business owner thinks through in their minds. And it's just so crazy how all this shift of literally overnight, we had to get our 220 employees working from home, but then seeing, you know, wow, this actually can work. And it is amazing. It's a golden nugget, really, when you think about the principle there of just like, a lot of times you do things and you function in a certain way just because that's the way it's always been. And it's a belief structure in your mind. And it's not until you're forced to think outside of the box or do something a little different that you realize, wow, there's actually different ways up this mountain. There's a, you can actually do things a little bit differently. So crazy right. times. Yes, today has been cranking out a ton of content about this shift. His name is John Anderson. He's the Managing Director of Practice Management for Independent Advisor Solutions by SEI, a leader in the investment services industries for over 50 years, I think 52 years now. John has been with SEI for half that time, over 25 years, and is responsible for all programs focused on helping financial advisors grow their businesses, create efficiencies in their operations, and differentiate their practices. He has been frequently quoted in publications such as Investment News, Financial Planning Magazine, and The Wall Street Journal, and is a frequent speaker at conferences and industry forums. He is also the lead author of SEI's practice management blog, Practically Speaking, I love the pun in that, in that blog title, and has written 15 plus industry white papers on topics such as advisory fees and the client experience. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, guys, and thanks for having me. I, you, you go through that uh, bio there, it makes me feel like I'm at my own funeral, but uh, Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having me today. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, that's awesome. John, super appreciative to have you on, man, because I know you're going to have such a unique perspective, especially because you're so ingrained in the financial space. And there is yeah. a lot of panic happening amongst, you know, not only consumers, but financial advisors and super interested to get your take with everything that's shifting in the world today of what business owners should be doing right now to shift in their marketing. But if you could just maybe take a few minutes, introduce yourself to the audience, you know, let them know about your story, how you got into what sure. you're doing today. Sure. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly boring story. I, uh, I started off many, many years ago, uh, back in the, in the 80s, uh, working as in, in, in investor relations for a, for a large investment firm. And I've just kind of evolved into that, into that sales role. Um, 
whole traditional wholesaling where you're out selling products through financial intermediaries around uh, mostly in the Midwest. I, I grew up outside of Chicago and, and that was my first uh, first job and first couple of homes were there. But, um, you know, I, I joined SEI um, back as, as uh, Josh said, in, in uh, uh, early 95. And what I what I thought about and, and throughout my entire sales career was really focused on if if it made sense to me, I thought I could sell it. If the if the product, if the service, if the philosophy was something that was authentic, then I think it worked. So over the years, I've always worked with financial advisors. About 10 years ago, uh, we decided to kind of marry up kind of all the different competencies that we're doing. We're, a, we're an investment management outsource. We're a, a platform outsource. And we also provided ourselves or prided ourselves on providing practice management expertise. You know, if you're working with advisors on a daily basis, you, as Josh said, you help them grow, you help them differentiate, you help you create efficiencies in their business. We decided to take that practice management area and kind of move it into one person. So I'm responsible for practice management. There's all sorts of different sales and, 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 and uh, relationship managers that are, that are using all the techniques. And I like to say, frankly, I'm, a, I'm not a great, a great creator of content. Uh, I'm a great curator of content. I like to steal the best ideas and, and share them around with all the uh, different advisors that we work with. So I've been doing that for about 10 years now. And um, as you mentioned, I think what, it manifests itself in a couple of different ways. Our blog, practically speaking, is, is uh, nine years old, I think, this week. And it's twice a week, non-product-specific ideas to help advisors. And, and then the thought leadership papers are really more focused on the future. What are, what's this business going to look like? How is this going to change? So that's kind of how uh, I, I interact with advisors today. Can I say there is a golden nugget in there for everybody who's listening to this? And Josh and I just did a webinar yesterday where we had a ton of real estate agents on this webinar and I shared with them success leaves clues as Tony Robbins likes to say meaning you know you say you you don't really you know create content you curate content you steal the best ideas but there's an actual principle in there of you don't have to go out and reinvent the wheel no. there are successful people that have gone before that have implemented principles that work success leaves clues and I think a lot of times especially as a new business owner you lose sight of that and you think you have to come into an industry and do everything so different and everything you have to reinvent your own path versus going, no, 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 success has left clues and there's principles that are true regardless of what shifts. There's, you know, fundamental principles. The mediums of distribution might be different, the technologies you might use, but there's some tried and true methodologies that you should be implementing in your business. So I'm curious, you know, right now with all the panic going on, especially with financial advisors, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have a lot of people who've lost a lot of money and, you know, they are scared, nervous. They don't, I know this from just even talking to my own father, mm -hmm. right? Is he's looking just like everybody's looking, whether it's at their 401k or whatever it is and going, man, what does this mean? How do I shift? I'm curious on your perspective on how should advisors be marketing right now? How should they be reaching out to their clients what do you see the pain points being there? Sure, sure. Well, I think, you know, one of the first things I, I'll, I'll tell you is that um, I look around and, and I see a lot of advisors, first of all, are taking the lead and they're out there with their clients. They're on the phone, they're on webinars, they're on Zoom, they're on all sorts of uh, media out there. So that's, that's the first news is, is that they are working and they're doing, many of them are doing a great job. I literally just wrote a blog post that's going to come out probably next week. And um, I wrote it 
yesterday and it was really called, you know, what have we learned so far? Mm. Um, and I think, what have we learned so far? You were a month into this environment that we're in right now. And I, I started to jot down some of the notes that, that I'm seeing around the marketplace. And number one, what I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing more than anything else is that um, advice beats product. Um, it's having the ability to, to hold the hand of the client, having to think about the plan, think about the long term, uh, and, and communicating with them uh, that while we didn't necessarily expect the pandemic, we definitely have built into the plan um, things like a downturn in the market, a disruption, and things like that. I, I wrote that empathy beats the dollar chart. Um, holding hands with the client, and I talked to one advisor who said she does a walk and talk. Um, where they get on their cell phones, they go for walks. And she said, I mostly listen. And the, the, the empathy that I can provide is something that is, is, is more important than just pointing to the doll bar chart and saying, you know, every other downturn, we've come back up. So it's, mm -hmm. it's that empathy that's there. And, and I wrote a number of other things, you know, for example, uh, about um, co-planning. Uh, uh, about uh, the ability to put workflows into your system, because you know when when we were talking earlier about you know this this disruption, who remembered to bring home the the the, the travel uh, checklist, who remembered to bring home the ma the operations manual? Nobody. But having workflows integrated into your CRM, that's when that's when you start to see your business really step to that next level because everybody's on the same page, whether they're in front of you or whether they're uh, 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 virtual like this. Um, now, but when it comes to marketing and when it comes to sales, it's, I don't think it's really that different. Um, what I'm seeing in this, in this business today is this, this evolution from what has been what I always called an advisor driven market, where the advisor picks the product, picks the service, picks the, picks the models, picks the uh, way that they get paid to much more of a consumer focused business. And I think this challenge that we're all in right now is only going to accelerate the drive for consumers to say, I want it my way. Mm. And I'm going to search out until I find what my way looks like and who, who can provide that. So if I'm an advisor sitting in my office today, if I'm an advisor who's thinking about the future of my business, I got to start thinking about how do I turn the pages away from saying, this is where I want to meet in my office. This is the type of plan that I want to deliver. This is the type of pricing that I want to deliver. How do I turn my business around to say, let's create segments where the consumer can find me and in the way that the way that they want to work, not the way that I, I make them work. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. I love that. I was actually taking notes myself. <laughs> beats product. I love that. I think it's so true. I think, you know, these, this is something around, along the principles that I'm talking about. It's like literally what it really comes down to is not the transaction that you are providing for somebody. And we're seeing this really accelerate with technology. People can almost do their own transactions right. all by themselves right now. It really comes down to that trust. How do you get into that position of trust? How do you become that advisor of trust? How do you build that solid relationship? What are some of the practical things that maybe you've seen out in the field that advisors are doing to try to build that? You mentioned this walk and talk. I thought that was incredible. Mm -hmm that down like a walk and talk you know strategy where you're calling your clients and you're going for a walk with them 
and you're talking, you know, about things. What are some other practical things that you might be seeing out in the field? Well, the practical things, you know, I've seen people tape meetings just like this. Things that, things that you know, we're doing, whether it's Zoom, they'll, they'll tape them and they'll send them out to their clients where they're having conversations with money managers or conversations with, with, with planning firms and things like that so that they can share with their clients, I'm still working whether, whether I'm in front of you or not. I think what it comes down to, though, more than anything else, is communicating in a way that that particular client, I don't think there's a way to do it generically. I think there's, I think you have to look at specialization instead of being generic. I see so many different pieces that are coming out. Stay the course, things will come back, um, uh, you know, don't mess with your portfolio. Well, but what happens if the portfolio isn't right? Mm. What happens if they built it themselves? What happens if they didn't uh, uh, plan for something correctly? So stay the course may not be the right message. One of the things that, that, that I really believe in a lot is that we are coming into a more, uh, a, a bigger age of specialization um, where the more specialized I am, the more I can communicate to my clients in a way that they're going to hear it and they're going to be able to act on it. You know, I talk a lot about segmentation in our business. We are taught ABC, gold, silver, platinum, single A, double A, triple A, whatever categories you use for, for, um, for, for, for uh, a segmentation. Almost every time I see somebody do it, they do it in my mind backwards. They segment based on AUM. They segment based on revenue. They segment based on number of referrals. They based on what's important to them, not what's important to the client. Huh. So if I start segmenting based on what's important to the client, now I have the opportunity to turn that message around. And maybe I'm sending a message to my millennial clients about it's difficult out there right now. This is really the time to add money when, when you're given the gift of a down market. Maybe my planning clients, my mid fifties, my early sixties saying, you know, we've done planning. We know that this is, we're, we're good for this, that uh, while, while it's difficult that type of uh, uh, volatility was built in our plan. And maybe for our senior clients, the conversation is a lot different. Like, well, your cash flow situation is still good for the next three years. So when we start to think about communicating a broad general message, especially in times like this, no one's going to read it. But the more specialized we get in our messaging and the more focused and the more segmented on the types of people that we want to work with or the types of people that we do work with, the more that message is gonna resonate. So that's why I was talking about the, the woman uh, advisor in Michigan who does her walk and talks. Her clientele is uh, stay-at-home mothers, is, is uh, 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 elderly people where they wanna get out once in a while. They wanna get away from the kids. They wanna get away from maybe the people that they're caring for. They wanna take a 30 minute walk. This may be their only time to have a conversation and Anne's on the phone with them. Mm. Um, I think about the, 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 the other types of conversations that are going on right now, the more focused that conversation is, the better it's going to be received and the, and the stronger you're going to be thought of as their advisor. Man, I could not agree more. I think that is so good. What a great golden nugget of segmenting based upon what your clients want, not segmenting <laughs> based upon what you want. And Josh and I talk about this a ton, which is the key to marketing is relevancy, meaning if your piece of marketing, whatever you're delivering is relevant to the person that you're sending it to, whether it's a pain point they have in their life. I think Tony Robbins teaches fulfill someone's greatest desire or solve their greatest pain, right? And that's how you create a winning business. But the point being is the more relevant it is to them, the more they'll pay attention to it, the more impact it will make. And then as a marketer, you wanna get that attention and turn it into action and get them to take an action 
And what's so interesting is that so few people take their database, and I don't know why, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this, take their database and actually seek to know their clients on a personal level. Mm-hmm. They, they tend to only want to know their clients on a transactional level, on a product-based level. And what we've taught people to do is we use a simple acronym called the Ford Method, and it's not something that we created, but it's something that we coach people to do, which is you should know with your clients. So, John, if you were a client of mine, I would want to know your family, your occupation, your recreation, and your dreams. Because if I can know about your family, what's going on in your life, about your work, what's happening there, what your hobbies are, and then ultimately what your dreams are, then I have a true relationship with you. Then I can translate that into the marketing that I give to you, the content that I give to you, how I talk to you on the phone, all those things. And all of a sudden, you've gone from a transaction to an actual relationship and advisor trust. Why do you think advisors aren't implementing that? Because as I am, and it's not that everyone's not, but as I look at the masses, I go, most people don't want to spend the time doing that. Right, right. Well, I think that's it. I mean, you get into this business and you're taught to, to sell anybody that's got a pulse, right? You, you, early on, it's who can breathe, who can fog a mirror, who, who has money, I'm going to sell them. And I think that mentality gets started early on but as we start to evolve, we, we never really stop and say, is this the right type of business that I'm building? Uh, I think one guy that I know called it a Franken business. It's a bunch of different parts, uh, like the Frankenstein's monster. It's a bunch of little parts and it becomes this business. And what happens at the end of Frankenstein, the monster eats the, the, the master, right? So it's, it's really about, t- it's about stop, stopping, setting back and saying, what type of business do I want to run? What type of client do I want to work with? A couple of years ago, we started sending out uh, worksheets for advisors to work through, and it was very simple. It was called a persona worksheet. Well, actually, let me take a step back. About five years ago, uh, we created an Excel spreadsheet, 27 inputs per client to be able to really narrow in and say, what does my book look like? What is the average net worth? What is the average occupation? What is the average industry? What does my average client look? And we could, we had it in a way that we could push a button and it would say, okay, what does my average client look like that has more than 3 million with me? What does my average client look like that belongs to this country club? All sorts of different things. And what I found was, um, Trying to get somebody to do 27 inputs for about 100 different clients or families, it never happened. <laughs> I think there was maybe three or four people that actually did it all. Uh, so we said, well, that's not going to work. How do we get people, again, to start focus on this specialization? So we created a, a persona worksheet. And the persona worksheet is a hypothetical or an ideal client that you want to work with. That persona, we probably had, it was maybe three pages, you know, long questions and uh, not a lot of work, but, but enough to kind of clearly identify who you, who you are, who you want to work with, who those, uh, what, what, what's important to those clients. What was great about that persona worksheet, though, is at the end, once you've created this uh, persona, you, first of all, you'd name them. Because you just got to have a name. You got to identify who this person is. But then it had questions. It said, what are the implications for marketing to this person? What are the implications for servicing this person? What are the implications for planning for this person? And then what are the implications for paying for, for your services? And as I started to think about these personas, what we found is we had some great ones. Uh, we had a, 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 a advisor down in West Texas, and he called his uh, persona. It was uh, uh, cattle, uh, second generation cattle ranchers, um, and he called them the Clint Eastwoods. And, um, and so the Clint Eastwoods were not going to go to high-end marketing. 
uh, events. They were they were going to be seen at church and football games, and they were they wanted things more simplification, and they wanted to understand cash flow better because of the the, the and they wanted to understand financing. Uh, because they're taking loans out to buy the cattle and things like that. So what they really did with these personas is they narrowed down to the type of people, the messages that would work for them, the, the marketing that would work for them, and then they programmed it into, this was the key, they programmed it into their CRM. So when they sent out in a message, hey, all the Clint Eastwoods get this message. All the Garys get this message and so on and so on. And that was really the unique part because the messages, as you just said, uh, Luke, they became relevant. They didn't get a generic email, which means they just start ignoring every email, but yeah. every email that they got, every message they got became very relevant to the person that they were sending it to, the Clint Eastwoods of the, uh, of the client base. Man, I love that. <laughs> oh, we got all sorts. I, I've, I've seen all sorts of these personas and I love them. There's one, the retiring Ricardos, there's the saving Sally's, there's the nervous Nellies. Uh, in one book, there's one guy that uh, created his, he just calls him Gary. And they literally have a, 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 an old eight by 10 frame of this like generic guy in this frame. And they have a WWGW taped to the bottom of it. What would Gary want? Oh, one. <laughs> so every time they have a marketing meeting, what would Gary want? What would Gary listen to? What would Gary want to read? What would Gary get excited about if we did a marketing event? So it's, it's, it, once we put the persona on, we absolutely understand what that person's looking for and we can cater our business, our sales, our marketing, everything around that person. Yeah. Man, I love that. I think even for like real estate agents, because we have a bunch of those that listen yeah. to this, you know, podcast, it's like a great way to understand your persona is look at all your past clients. Yes. And start writing down the characteristics about these people that you worked with and you'll start finding who you tend to work with. And yeah. what communities you tend to work with, the type of people you tend to work with. And everybody has a unique value proposition that tends to draw people. And I think a big mistake that you make in business is that you start off, like you said, it's all about sales and, and you're trying to work with everybody and anybody. But look, you're not going to work with everybody and anybody. And, and when you're young in your sales career, I remember going through this even myself. It's like you don't understand why some people don't want to work with you. And you just, you want, to, you want to go after those people even more, but it's actually not until you realize that, wait, I have a certain tribe that I attract. Right. And I have a certain value proposition that I attract, and there's going to be a certain amount of people that work with me, and I'm okay not working with everybody. And what's amazing about those words of, I'm okay not working with everybody, it actually frees you to actually just literally be yourself and give your value proposition and communicate the way and what you believe. And you're going to attract ultimately the people that are drawn to that. And it's a freeing thing in sales, let alone helping you craft your message of marketing. It's you're absolutely right. And that's what I think I, I kind of started the conversation with when I first started in sales, I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to look myself in the mirror. If I, if I said, this isn't right for me, I, I can't sell it. I just couldn't really get, so it had to be authentic for me. And I think that's what showed to the client because if I believed in it, I could get them to believe in it. But I, I love, and, and to your point, I love being able to go to people and say, you know what? Yes, we could do this. You don't want me to do this. This isn't just, it isn't the right fit for you and me. And it may, it's empowering for, for both of you to be quite honest. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's, the, it's the sales. It should always be the sales, but it's the sale of the future now. Yeah. If you aren't going in with the mentality of give, give, give before you take in the, in the mentality of, hey, I'm here to serve you, 
And I'm not going to have you work with me. I'm not going to have you buy my product if it's not right for you. If you're not doing that, it's like you, the consumer, you're going to go out of business. You right. will not make it because this whole future for us in, in service-based industries is all about the relationship. And it's all about the trust. And it's all about being able to have that personal relationship with that client and fulfill what they want. Let me ask you this, because I think there's a lot of advisors out there that are going to lose out of this. And I think they're going to come out of this, uh, you know, and lose. And I was on a call yesterday with a really, I mean, this gentleman was incredible, has incredible financial services business, has now, is now working with a, an FMO. And he was telling me, you know, just about his unique value proposition. But what he mentioned, he, he mentioned a stat that he read that there's going to be 7 million clients that literally don't get communicated with that are going to be looking for a new financial advisor. Yep. Let's talk about content marketing. If you're already doing it, you know just how important content marketing is. And if you're not, you might be wondering, well, what is content marketing and why is it so important? Believe it or not, content marketing isn't just some buzzword. It's going to actually help you generate leads and close more deals by providing your clients with content that adds value to their lives. To get started, check out our free ebook, Become a Content Marketing Machine at ReminderMedia.com backslash content marketing. That's ReminderMedia.com backslash content marketing. Take action on this today. What advice would you give? Because this is what I'm asking people during this time. What's the one thing as an advisor you have to do during this time that if you don't do, you're going to come out on the other side of this and regret it? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that you're going to see that. I remember, I'm for, fortunate or unfortunately, I, I remember 87, I remember 2000, I remember 2008. So it's, it's, it's kind of repeats itself, uh, these, these major market meltdowns for, for some reason. And the number one thing that I have told everybody throughout the whole process is to be as visible as possible. Be visible with your clients, be visible with your prospects, be visible with your emails. You know, we've got such a great platform to be able to do this now. You know, in, in, in the dot-com boost, uh, uh, bust in 2000, the internet was kind of just getting going. Today, you've got social media and you've got platforms and you've got uh, technology that's out there that allows you to get your message out a lot. Now, it's got to be the right message. It's got to be a targeted message. But just be out there as much as possible. Offer people empathy. Offer people a second set of eyeballs on the on the uh, uh, on the plan on the investment account. The the challenge that you're going to run into though, in this market, is that there are a lot of people that are offering relatively the same thing, right? Mm. And it's and it's becoming commoditized. Investments are becoming commoditized. You know your ability to select a a, a list of funds out of Morningstar, you know. A lot of people say that they can do that, right? I, as an individual, can go online to a custodian. I can go to a robo-advisor or a virtual advisor. I can go direct to a fund company. I can both buy product. Yep. As a planner today, I can go to a, a, a place right down the road from both of us that, you know, for 30 basis points, I can get a generic financial plan and, and a ge generic implementation. There's another custodian that says for 300 bucks, it's a, a one-time fee for the plan and 300 bucks a, a month for plan. So, so the idea today that I'm going to differentiate because of who I am or because I offer financial planning isn't going to get it done. Mm. I've got to offer the handholding. I've got to offer advice but I got to be specialized in the type of business that I work. So if I want to say that I provide uh, budgeting and cash flow analysis for millennials who are 
uh, concerned about their future in this economy, that starts to become more targeted. If I want to say I want to provide retirement analysis for, for people who are nearing retirement but are concerned about their current 401k allocation or their investment accounts as they near retirement in this challenging time, now I've got a little bit more of a, an edge versus I want to look at your portfolio or I want to do a financial plan. What differentiates you? Nothing. So it's really your, your advice to people from a marketing standpoint is really becoming more niche. Yes. It's understanding your niche. And it, do you think it's because now you can do business with so many more people effectively so you can be more niche where in the past you had your little community and you had to be one thing for everybody in your community? That's exactly it. Um, and I, 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 I tell a story a lot. So I grew up in a small town in central Illinois very rural area. We had one, if I needed a new pair of shoes when I was a kid, if I, I, I could go to one store, only one store in town that sold shoes. Uh, I could get my pick and maybe there was three pairs in my size, but at the end of the day, I was stuck with that one merchant, right? Um, as I got older, I got to high school, I could drive to a mall. It was about 40 miles away. I'm talking rural place. Uh, maybe there was five stores that fit in my, that had shoes that I could go to, but I was still stuck with the inventory. But think about how the retail shopping environment has changed. Right? I can sit here at my desk and I can go any size, shape, manufacturer, color, quantity. Uh, I can do rating systems. I can check pricing. I can compare. The, the consumer is really being um, taught that they're allowed to have things their way. They're being empowered to look for specialization. And I think that in our market today, it's only going to get stronger that people are going to say, I'm not going to drive uh, fight traffic. I'm not going to look for a place to park to go see my financial advisor when I can do it via a Zoom call. And I see a lot of advisors. In fact, I wrote a paper that just came out in February called uh, a growth through specialization and it profiled five advisors and majority of those five advisors, their clients are all over the country. They're not just in the same zip code anymore. So the, the idea of specialization and the idea of focused and niche uh, makes so much more sense. And that's really the environment that we're getting into, uh, especially as we're empowering consumers in all sorts of other businesses. Man, that's incredible. All right, man, I have to ask you because I'm kind of a junkie for self-development, as they would say, is I just love the self-development, bettering yourself, chasing the best version. When I meet successful people on this show, I have to ask them, you know, you've obviously gotten to where you're at in life because you have really developed yourself over time. And I'm curious, what are the routines that you implement personally in your own life that you look back and these are the things you do consistently that you believe have driven success for you? Oh, that's a, that's a tough, I'm a, I'm an observer. I, you know, my, my routine is I'm not one that's going to jump in. I love watching. I love seeing successful people. I love uh, listening to their stories. Uh, I listen to podcasts. Um, I, I, uh, I think that the ability to, to read, I, I, I get through about three quarters of most business books and then I get bored. <laughs> uh, I don't have a, I don't have an, uh, an ex, extensive long attention span here. So, so uh, a podcast with entrepreneurs, I love listening to those. I want to hear what they went through. I want to take that and then put that into our business. Um, um, I think the idea of having as many communications. So one of the things that when we started uh, on my team um, at SCI, when we started this about a month ago, this whole work from home thing, one of the first things I did is we do an every other day uh, check-in. 
I want to, I want to see it on screen. I want to, I want to look at your face. I want to see what's going on. And I think one of the things that I'm trying to, to do is to show that, Hey, I'm getting up and working. I'm getting up and showering every morning. I'm getting up and being at my desk at, at eight 39 o'clock. I want to make sure you're doing that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I, 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 I can't tell you there's that one ritual that I do, but what I do is, is I try to make sure that number one, it has to sound right. If I were to put myself in the shoes of the consumer, it has to sound right. It has to sound authentic. It has to be real. And on the other side is to make sure that I just look at, I don't get stuck in one business. Uh, I wrote a blog post a while back about uh, a podcast, a couple of different podcasts that I listened to. And it was all d- sorts of different entrepreneurs talking about their business. But then I could turn that into, okay, well, that story works in our business this way. That story works in our business this way. So I, I can't, I, I think we sometimes get too stuck on who was successful just in the financial services or just in the real estate business. There's great stories throughout the, the country and all sorts of different businesses. And I want to see how I can take what they did and bring it into ours and do something different. Man, I love that, man. I love it. All right. Last question for you. I got to know what advice would you give younger John, meaning maybe in college when you were in college, like what advice would you go back and sell that, that kid? Oh, that kid was uh, not that bright. I'm going to tell you. Um, I think, you know, I, 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 I think I was very lucky. And I think one of the things that I got lucky is that I, I, I started off uh, the, the company that I worked at before I came to, to SEI was a company that had a, a very simple investment product. But I was out there on the seminar circuit for probably three and a half years, four seminars a a week, 40 weeks a year. And as much as I didn't really like the repetition, as much as I tried to think about uh, uh, doing something different, that repetition really made it better. You know, I think that we sometimes think too quickly. I want to get to this next level. I want to get to this next level. And you really haven't honed your craft yet. And I think about that three and a half years, 40 weeks a, a, a year, five days a week or four days a week, that got to the ability now that I, I get up and speak, you know, 40 conferences a year. Mm-hmm. And I, I love being able to do that. And I love being able to share. And it's just, I, I think that, the, I think don't be too impatient. Mm-hmm. Take the time, learn your craft. And, 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 and it will get better. Uh, it, it, you'll get better at it is what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get out. I love that. Yeah. Frequency before greatness. Right. It's <laughs> a great way to put it. Yeah. Love that, man. That's awesome. John, thanks so much for being here. Before we close out, let people know how they can find you. Um, plug the blog, plug anything else you got going on. Sure. Well, uh, SEIC.com uh, is, is the company website. Practically speaking, as I've been around, as I said, I think somewhere between nine and 10 years, we publish two articles a week. So you can find that at SEIC.com slash practically speaking, or you can find me on my Twitter, which is uh, at SEI John A. And uh, please uh, follow, share, uh, like once in a while. Uh, once in a while, I get a joke off, which is, uh, which is kind of fun. And we were sharing. I'm not going to tell you what I did the other day. You'll have to look at it. Uh, my little embarrassing moment, but, uh, but yeah, please feel free to, to, to connect up. I'd love to hear from everybody. John, I told John before we jumped on the call here, he's got some good Twitter content. I, let me see. I got to pull this one up for everybody. This one, I'm not going to read the one we read before the call. <laughs> this day four of quarantine. I've opened the cabinet where we keep snacks five times already this morning. There's still no cookies. 
I'm not sure what I expected, but somehow I'm disappointed each time. <laughs> I wish I could say I was making that up to be funny, but that's absolutely true. I go to that cabinet all the time. The, yeah. this is the golden age of content. There will never be this much quality content stuck right. through a four-week period, I think, again in our history. So eat that's it up great. on him. Thank you so much for listening to dive deeper into this episode. You can get the video. You can get all of the links that John mentioned over at staypaidpodcast.com. And if you're interested in supporting the show, which we know you are, there's two ways we ask you to do that. You've got time on your hands. Come on, people. There's no excuse during this time. Go over to iTunes, rate us five stars, and make sure to leave a comment. Make sure to let John know that you listened to his episode. And the best way is to tell a friend about us and share the podcast on your social media. You can hashtag Stay Paid Podcast. You can add us, mention us at Stay Paid Podcast. We have a Facebook page now. We've got an Instagram page at Stay Paid Podcast, but now we are on Facebook, and I think it's also at Stay Paid Podcast. <laughs> I should have looked that I don't up. Like how you said I think, Josh. That's bad marketing. <laughs> Andrea, fact check. Uh, you can email Luke and I at podcast at remindermedia.com or, of course, find us on Instagram, like I mentioned, at State Paid Podcast. For this episode, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acre. John, thank you so much. That was amazing, man. So many golden nuggets I wrote down. I encourage all of you, go re-listen to this with a pen and paper. I mean, just the action item of segmenting your list, not based upon what you want, but based upon what your clients want. That was an amazing golden nugget. But here's really my golden nugget for each of you that I want you to take action on because this podcast is all about encouraging you to put into action one of the tips or tricks that you heard today. And I think something that is really, really good is this idea of becoming a specialist because I agree wholeheartedly with John. I think this new age, it's all about niching down. It's all about becoming relevant to your buyers, to your consumers. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a pen and paper and I want you to write down the persona of all the past buyers, all the past people, clients that you've worked with. Start writing down the characteristics that you actually know about them and build this persona. And then look at your business and look at your business and the business that you want to build. Not this Franken business that that guy referred to of this Frankenstein business, but the business that you want to build that helps you live the life that you want to live. And start really specializing in what you present to your buyers, to your clients. Because what you're going to find is not only will that free you in your life to actually live the life you want to live, but more importantly, your marketing is going to skyrocket because you're going to start attracting people that actually want to work with you and they're going to be easier to work with. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry Josh and I work in, we work in over 160 different industries, guys. Out of the 160, the difference is top producers take action. So take action on that tip today. <laughs> <laughs>